It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Kyle Krabs here, host of Locked On NFL Scouting. Join Joe Marino and me every day as we provide position-by-position analysis of the upcoming NFL Draft. Check out the Locked On NFL Scouting podcast with the Draft Dudes on YouTube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. What up, Bengals fans, and welcome to another episode of the Locked On Bengals podcast. I'm Jake Lisko, one of your hosts, along with James Rapine. The other one of your hosts, you can find us on Twitter at Jake underscore NFL and at James Repeat. Follow us individually on Twitter and follow the podcast at Locked On Bengals for your daily updates on what's going on with the Cincinnati Bengals. Today, Bengals fans, we continue our season preview, our way too early season preview since it is May 12th today as we record this, looking at the third quarter of the schedule. These are games happening in November and the first weekend of December, so we're way, way in the future here, and many, many things will change. That being said, today we will take a closer look at the Week 13 matchup in Miami, which for the Lockdown Bengals podcast is, as of now, the game of the quarter of quarter number three and you might be thinking why isn't it the Steelers game well we'll talk about the Steelers tomorrow because in the fourth quarter of the season the Bengals will play the Steelers on Monday night and I don't want to talk about the Steelers for two days in a row so we're actually just not going to talk about the week 10 matchup at all today and instead James let's start with the news from Rap Sheet and Friends that Jesse Bates broke that Joe Burrow is apparently interested in getting the team together for some seven-on-sevens. Hard to tell if this is something that is actually, you know, gears in progress moving, or if this is just something that is a dream right now, given everything that's going on. But it is something that has been communicated to at least Jesse Bates, Sam Hubbard, part of the team. It reinforces what we've said about Joe Burrow, right, which is that he's a leader, that he's going to take initiative and that he's going to be that guy right away from day one. And just the the more you hear from him, the more you hear about him and his willingness to lead and get the guys together, whether it happens or not, I think it says a lot about Burrow. And Jesse even said he was surprised uh, about this, that, that Burrow was pushing for it. So who knows if legally they'll be able to make it happen based on how many people can be together and things like that. But the fact that Burrow's taking the initiative, it just reinforces the idea that he is a leader and can be a leader as a rookie on this team. 
certainly draws a little bit of a parallel to how it was when Andy Dalton came into the league, when you had offensive linemen setting things up. Instead, you've got the rookie, which makes you wonder, I think, a little bit, where is the veteran leadership on this team? But instead, let's focus on the positive here. Joe Burrow taking the bull by the horns, coming in, asserting his will, his drive to work hard with as many players on this team as possible. And you're hearing buy-in. You're hearing buy-in from Jesse Bates. We heard it from A.J. Green. I feel like it was last week at this point, but my concept of time is really skewed. So I'm not sure when exactly that was. But he said he would go to Joe Burrow whenever that was. I think Bengals.com wrote about it today. So seeing the veterans buying into Joe Burrow is a nice thing to see. But James, let's shift gears and talk about this Miami game because everyone says, oh, Miami, they're going in the right direction. They'd be a better fit for Joe Burrow. And I'm doing the SpongeBob face right now uh, for those of you that can only hear the podcast. Uh, So we're going to talk about this game, look at this matchup a little bit to start. Then in segment two, we will touch on the Washington and New York matchups. Not going to talk about Week 10 and the Steelers at all because we'll talk about the Steelers tomorrow. Then in Segment 3, we are joined by Tyler from Locked On Titans to talk about Derrick Henry, who we talked about a little bit yesterday and probably some other topics, I guess, maybe Ryan Tannehill. But without further ado, let's talk Dolphins. This is a team everyone said Joe Burrow should want to play for. This is a team that everyone is very high on the future for, and I can see some of the rationale, but... This was still a historically bad team last year. And yeah, maybe people like the coaches because they come from the Bill Belichick school. But why are we crowning these guys in what month is it? May? It beats me. I I don't know. I I don't know when the Dolphins became well run. I don't know when they suddenly became this beast of the AFC East. The the last I checked, that was New England. And now Tom Brady isn't there. So maybe Tua Tungavailoa and these guys emerge. But I'm with you like this offseason narrative that the Dolphins are are such a better landing spot, according to who? Because Ryan Tannehill would disagree. I think Adam Gase would disagree. Jarvis Landry would disagree. Think about all the talented players that were there that would disagree. Kenyon Drake would probably disagree. So there are a lot of guys that went there and and now they're out. And Brian Flores, I, I do think he's a little more proven than Zach Taylor at this stage. But going five and 11 isn't enough to convince me you're going in the right direction. So we'll see what they do. But this idea that the Dolphins are definitely this potential contender in the near future, maybe, but a lot of things have to go right, much like the Bengals. I think they're in a a very similar spot uh, in the Bengals have been better, more recent than the Dolphins have. So, or been good and and went to the playoffs more recent than the Dolphins have. So I do think that that narrative is uh, wrong, to be honest, Jake. I I think it's dead wrong. And Mel Kuyper would obviously agree with you and did agree with you loudly on several of ESPN's television programs. You didn't even mention, by the way, two very high-profile players that wanted out of Miami and Laramie Tunzel, who was, of course, traded to the Texans. And the Dolphins did very well in the return there. And Minka Fitzpatrick, who the Dolphins, again, did pretty well in the return for. They got first-rounders for both those guys. But you know what's a little bit reminiscent of this turnover for the Dolphins to me is around the start of the Marvin Lewis era, actually. There's a number of players that wanted out of Cincinnati. Takeo Spikes didn't want to come back. He was done. And Corey Dillon obviously wanted out. 
high profile players that didn't want to deal with a regime change after a decade plus of ineptitude could be something similar there for Minka and Laramie Tunzel and these other players that have chosen to go elsewhere or, or have thrived elsewhere in the case of Ryan Tannehill. But when you do look at the players on the roster, the guys that have Miami excited, they're, they're thinking they have a breakout guy in Devontae Parker. There are Miami Dolphin fans who believe that Devontae Parker, Alan Hearns, Albert Wilson, and Preston Williams are a better wide receiver core than what the Bengals have in Cincinnati. This is an actual argument that has been made because they say, oh, AJ's hurt, John Ross is hurt, uh, Tyler Boyd is just a slot guy. And this was before they drafted T. Higgins, but I'm just saying that's an argument that exists in the world. (laughs) People are making arguments about the offensive line, and I'm looking at the offensive line for Miami, and it looks like a similar disaster or, you know, under average unit as to what we have in Cincinnati. They did draft Austin Jackson in the first round, but Austin Jackson was a guy that Bengals fans were happy to see off the board in the first round, a guy that's a bit of a projection, but he is very young, might work out. So there are some young pieces that could go in the right direction. Their cornerbacks are phenomenal. This is the one game on the schedule where you look and say, this might be the best secondary the Bengals face all year. Xavier Howard, Byron Jones, Noah Igbonahe, the rookie from Auburn. So a very solid tandem there. And former Bengal Clayton Fedulum, one of their safeties. Yeah, they were very active in free agency in addressing this defense, right? They go out. And they've they've added over the past couple of off seasons, Byron Jones, Kyle Van Noy. They've been aggressive, Shaq Lawson. And, and so I, I think that from a defensive standpoint, you look at it, they could be pretty solid. Emmanuel Agba, another guy that, that they added this offseason. So they certainly have added and spent money to address the defense. But you're right. Like this, this idea, one, that the wide receiver core is comparable is insane I, I don't buy it I, I think they could be headed in the right direction but this idea again that they're they're close I think has as much to do with Tom Brady leaving New England as it does anything the Dolphins have done over the past couple of years we will get our answer in December but we have a couple other games to talk about in this quarter again just to reiterate not talking about the Steelers more than we absolutely have to we'll talk about them tomorrow we're going to skip that game we'll talk about the Giants and the Washington matchup after we talk about Built Bars, James. You can get $10 off your first Built Bar order right now. And that's an incredible deal. We had somebody tag us in a tweet today. They got the sample pack for just $5, and I finished my sample pack. I, I would I would definitely say that's a good way to go to find your favorite flavor, and James knows his. Absolutely. Absolutely. First off, I love them all. So, and I'm not even BSing you just because it's an, I do love them all. Uh, my favorite flavor, the mint chocolate. I just, I, I can't get that one uh, out of my head today though. Had a peanut butter one after my run. Built Bars, it's the perfect way to go. Fits your macros, packed with protein, low sugar. Order them, do the sample pack for five bucks, promo code locked on, save $10 and thank us later. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. 
If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Let's keep things rolling here on the Locked On Bengals podcast as we continue to break down the schedule. We're in quarter number three. And as you said, Jake, we already talked or we're going to talk rather tomorrow about the Pittsburgh Steelers. So let's move to week 11. The Bengals travel to take on Washington, the Redskins. And there's going to be an interesting storyline here with Dwayne Haskins, assuming he's starting in, in Washington Along with Joe Burrow, former teammates at Ohio State, obviously the Chase Young factor as well. So this is a 1 o'clock game on CBS, but I do think that there's some interesting storylines going into this one. And Terry McLaurin, right? So a lot of Ohio State guys get to hang out, catch up in Maryland where the Washington football team plays its games. This team, though, does not look very good. They don't have a left tackle. Somebody named Cornelius Lucas is starting at left tackle. And somebody named, actually, I know who their left guard is, so that I, I can't go there. Right side of the offensive line might look a little bit better, anchored by Brandon Scherf. But it's really hard to see this offense being terribly productive. I mean, you're leaning on a ageless Adrian Peterson, Darius Geis in the backfield. You're hoping that Dwayne Haskins can take a leap because you don't have the weapons at receiver that you'd really like. Terry McLaurin was really good as a rookie, but Kelvin Harmon, has some ways to go. Trey Quinn is listed as the first slot receiver for Washington. None of those guys are particularly scary. They did get Thaddeus Moss as an unrestricted free agent at tight end. They've got Richard Rodgers and Jeremy Sprinkle at tight end, James. But no longer Jordan Reed. I mean, unfortunate career for him. That's something that really set this organization back is losing that weapon. It did. And Jeremy Sprinkle is certainly in the running. It's it's not the best name in the NFL, but probably top 10. It's, a, it's I mean, like it, one of the funnier names in the NFL at the very yeah, least. It's Yeah, at the very least. So I, I'm, I'm with you there. I, I like that you mentioned him. But yeah, this is a game the Bengals, and last I checked, it was a pick em. Or, or no, the, the Bengals were uh, actually underdog, one and a half point underdogs in this one. But since it's on the road, that, that says a lot about Washington and how Vegas feels about them. This is a game the Bengals should win. And it, it really is going to be uh, interesting to see how Dwayne Haskins plays this year. I'm not really a believer. And it might not be really his fault. I just I think when you go to Washington, talk about bad landing spots. I think that's just a, a really tough landing spot for any young quarterback outside of RG3's rookie year. I get Kirk Cousins was okay, but he was just all right. And, and I, that roster isn't close to what it was. So I think that this is a uh, certainly not a, not only a winnable game, but a, a must win when you talk about the Bengals being better than in exceeding expectations, better than what people expect them to be. So, uh, yeah, there's really nothing here. Uh, no really position group that I, I'm super concerned about. But Chase Young, I know this for a fact. He's going to want to get after Joe Burrow because that's what athletes do as they say, well, Burrow went one, I went two, I'm going to go get him. And that's the one X factor here. Who on the Bengals is going to be able to, dra- uh, to, to be able to pass block against a guy like Chase Young? It'll be interesting to see. Yeah, I mean, he is going to presumably have some rookie learning curve, but you've seen these guys come in from Ohio State and be very good players in year one. 
I will say on offense, you know, this is this game's late in the year. There's a chance Antonio Gandy Golden gets it together, and he's a prominent wide receiver too for Washington by this point in time. I think that's asking a lot for a rookie fourth-round receiver. There's an outside chance that happens. Antonio Gibson, Washington's third-round pick, is a guy that Joe and I, when we were doing our draft prep, really liked. Not so much in the third round, but maybe day three, round four, round five. He goes in the third round of Washington. Instead, you have to expect that they have a plan for him. And they do have a new head coach worth mentioning. Riverboat Ron Rivera taking over in Washington. Probably one of the more competent, more decorated coaches they've had. I mean, obviously there are some very decorated coaches that have coached this team in the past. But Ron Rivera, I think, is a step up from what they've had recently. And I know one of those guys is Jay Gruden. Ron Rivera has a, a much better track record, in my opinion. But you, you started to talk about Tr- Chase Young and the defense. If there's anywhere that you're concerned on this team, it's the pass rush for Washington. Chase Young, Ryan Kerrigan, Montez Sweat, Deron Payne, Jonathan Allen. That's a strong group of five names on the defensive line. Tim Settle, who was a rookie in 2018, fifth-round draft pick out of Virginia, has exceeded expectations. That is the clear strength to me on this team. I'm with you. I'm with you. And I, I think you, you look at, and heck, I, I forgot this, Ruben Foster still there at, at linebacker. They signed Thomas Davis. The linebacker group doesn't really scare you. They did go out and get Landon Collins uh, for, for what it's worth there. So it, this Nothing. defense, it, that's fair. In this defense, uh, it's going to be interesting to see. You mentioned Ron Rivera. He's a defensive coach, right? So how does he mold this team in year one I think they're going to try to win with running the ball and defense and I don't know if this defense is good enough yet to do it I also think like you Antonio Gibson he could get significant snaps as a rookie like I wouldn't be shocked at all if he with his versatility given Darius Geis's injury issues you got Adrian Peterson who is what 35 34 years old these days I I think Gibson could be a big part of this offense um, so it, it'll be interesting to see how it plays out but I don't love this Washington roster and, and outside of Ron Rivera having a great coaching year I don't see how they're a, a much of a, a threat at all in the NFC East and this is certainly a winnable one of the the few winnable road games for the Bengals this season in the following week, the Bengals play host to the New York Giants. That game, I think you made an interesting call in talking about the network it's on. I'll let you weigh in if you've got the network for that game again. But another one that should be winnable with a quarterback that isn't very good, a roster that generally just doesn't seem ready to compete at the highest level. I will say that the offensive line is much improved, but is that going to be enough? For Saquon Barkley and Daniel Jones, uh, you, you, it'd be a tough sell for me. I'm with you. I'm with you, especially with a guy like Jason Garrett. And I, I saw earlier this week, uh, he's obviously the offensive coordinator there, that their offense is going to resemble what the offense was like in Dallas. And, and I, I, <laughs> I look at this Giants team and it's like, okay, well, that's good for the Bengals in week 12. That's a, a one o'clock start at Paul Brown Stadium on Fox uh, on November 29th. So it, it's uh, it's certainly another one of these these games. And when we broke down the st- schedule last week, this is the stretch where if you're the Bengals, it, you got to get some W's and put some W's together at Washington and then New York, two more than winnable games. 
and I certainly think they can get it done. Daniel Jones doesn't scare me. Yes, they have some decent skill players, and they've upgraded the offensive line. But overall, I think this is a, a game that the Bengals, especially at home, that, that they should win. This Giants team just looks bad across the board. There are a few good players sprinkled in there. Saquon Barkley is obviously a good player. Evan Engram is a good player. Golden Tate is a good player. Sterling Shepard is a good player. I like the Andrew Thomas pick. I like Kevin Zeitler. Then you look at the defense, and it's like, man, you, you got Leonard Williams from New York and a bunch of guys that aren't that much better than average if they are better than average, and, and that's where you have to take advantage if you're the Bengals. Take advantage of Daniel Jones and his proclivity to turn the ball over. Make it part of your game plan to take away Saquon Barkley as much as possible. Make Daniel Jones beat you. This should be doable. But it's worth noting, James, that this is, from a travel perspective, relatively tough for the Bengals. This is three away games, one home game, this being the home game. So if you want to talk about the Washington game as a much win, must win, at least that one is on the road. So if they lose... I mean, I do I do agree with you that if you want the Bengals to be a team that's going to be in the playoffs this year, that's a game that you have to assume they're going to win. But this game, if the Bengals lose this game at home to New York, that I mean, is, this is the one game they're favored in, right? Like that would be that would mean things aren't going well. This is the one pick'em. So this is pick the game em. I thought okay. was a pick'em. So yeah, it's a pick'em, which I disagree with. I think the Bengals should certainly be favored in this game because. Just from a roster standpoint, I would give – given all of their offseason additions, and you do have to look at it from a health standpoint, assuming both teams are healthy, I'd give the edge to the, the Bengals. They're at home. I think they have more talent, two question marks at head coach, two young quarterbacks. But I don't think anyone expects Daniel Jones to be better than Joe Burrow this year, even though he does have, at least on paper, a better offensive line. So it's – uh it's it's going to be interesting. I, I'm with you on the defense, by the way. I mean, Jabril Peppers, I know they exercised his fifth-year option. He's not a scary prospect. I, I like this Dexter Lawrence out of Clemson, a first-round pick from 2019. We'll see if he can build on what he did last year. But there isn't a, a ton there. You know, Xavier McKinney fell in the, into the second round, and a lot of people called him a steal. We'll see. But I, I think the Giants, when we look at, and we talked about the Dolphins earlier in the podcast, I think the Dolphins and the Bengals, as far as rebuilds go, are ahead of the Giants. And maybe that's me looking at them from a different, you know, colored lens or something. But to me, I think the Giants are third on that list when it comes to rebuilding. And this is certainly, like you said, a must win for the Bengals. Yeah, if if they want to be telling us that they're a good team. This is one of those take care of business kind of games, at least on paper right now. You do make a good point. I, I did really like their draft pick of Xavier McKinney. I, I thought that Andrew Thomas was a good pick. Generally, Dave Gettleman had a good draft, which are not words I ever thought <laughs> I would speak. I, I don't I'm really care you. for their free agent acquisitions, though. They go get Blake Martinez. They they paid him a lot of money. The Bengals were in on Blake Martinez. They weren't willing to pay as much as New York for good reason. They paid James Bradbury from Carolina a boatload of money. They paid him, you know, Trey Wayne's kind of money, and these are similar overpays in my opinion. And then Deion Lewis, they, they signed as a free agent at running back to kind of spell Saquon Barkley. None of those guys are really moving the needle for me too much. Did like their draft, but... Again, you're talking about rookies, and will they be ready to make an impact in Week 12? Well, we'll find out. Coming up next, we are on with Tyler from the Locked On Titans podcast. Get all your answers, ranging from Kerry Combs' impact on the Titans secondary 
to what's going on with Ryan Tannehill. Who are the players, who are the unheralded heroes from this Titans team that made a deep run last year? Get those answers coming up next. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Crossover week continues here on the Locked On Podcast Network. And let's bring in Tyler Rowland from Locked On Titans. And Tyler, let's dive right in because I think Titans fans have to be feeling pretty good given what they did last season. Let's start with Ryan Tannehill. They pay him a bunch of money. How are Titans fans feeling and, and how are, do the Titans feel about Ryan Tannehill? Well, inside the building, the organization feels absolutely fantastic about finally having a quarterback. The reality is John Robinson took over as the general manager of the Tennessee Titans in 2016 and changed this entire organization. He flipped the roster. He flipped the mentality. And the Titans have been a competitive team for four straight seasons, going nine and seven, all four, but making the playoffs two out of four. And the reality is they did all of that while having Marcus Mariota at quarterback quarterback, which outside of 2016, before he broke his leg, was the only real time he played up to his draft slot. So the Titans had average to below average quarterback play throughout most of that stretch and a quarterback that John Robinson inherited. And John Robinson came from Tampa Bay, where he preferred at least it seemed as an organization, Tampa Bay preferred Jameis Winston. So it is possible that John Robinson liked Winston over Mariota anyway. So uh, when, when you think about that, and finally now Marcus Mariota's out of the building. The Titans have settled on Ryan Tannehill. It's the quarterback that they chose and that they picked with that general manager in place. So I think the organization feels great. The fan base, as with most fan bases, is is a little up and down. Some people worried about regression, worried about Ryan Tannehill from the Miami Dolphins showing back up. But I think the overwhelming feeling amongst the fan base is just excitement. The Titans offense last year was as good as it has been in over a decade, maybe two decades, depending on how you look at things statistically. And uh, I think most of the fan base is generally just excited to have that same core group back and hope that they can see similar results because explosive offensive football is a sight for sore eyes in uh, in Tennessee. So nice to see Ryan Tannehill back. I think most of the fan base and the organization would agree it is a positive thing. Let's stay on the offense and talk a little bit about the wide receivers. A.J. Brown, obviously a revelation as a rookie, an excellent second-round pick. Turns out to be, at least so far, the best receiver out of that mix at Ole Miss. His teammate, Marcus Wheaton, by the way, was one of the guys that the Bengals signed late last year. A little bit of a connection there if he ends up making the team for those two. But what about Corey Davis? Is, is he going to live up to his draft position, do you think? I mean, he took a little bit of a step back, I think you could argue, last year. Is that more of a factor of A.J. Brown being really good and Derrick Henry being really good? Or is there room to grow for Corey Davis? 
Well, I think the reality was A.J. Brown was just hot last year and Tannehill felt comfortable with him. They had immediate chemistry. I think that did cause Corey Davis to go to the back burner. Corey Davis does get open. Corey Davis is one of the best blocking wide receivers in the NFL. I'd say the best blocking wide receiver in the NFL if I had to put money on it. Uh, He's fantastic. He's a great teammate. He doesn't complain about the ball coming his way or his lack of production. And I'm sure in his mind, you know, you, you can be the best teammate in the world, but it's only human nature to to worry about how you're performing. Everyone wants their team to win, but they want to be a part of it too. So I think that at this point, regardless of what Corey Davis does this year, he won't be in Tennessee past this next season. The Titans declined his fifth-year option, and for good reason. It would have paid him $15 million, which – Corey Davis is not worth that kind of money at this moment in time, even if I think that he's a little bit better than his production says. So I think he can be a productive wide receiver. I think he is a natural number two physical wide receiver in the NFL, but sometimes guys just need a change of scenery. Sometimes they just want a change of pace, a change of environment. And I got a feeling that like Marcus Mariota, who you know, is took a backup spot. So in theory, he could have been a backup for the Titans. But sometimes you just want to get out of the environment that you've been in where things didn't necessarily go according to plan and just start fresh. And I think that no matter how Corey Davis performs this season, he is going to move on to get that fresh opportunity afterwards. And I wouldn't say it's because he's an outright bust or anything like that, but the Titans have A.J. Brown now. He fits their system perfectly, and there's no way that the Titans are going to be willing to pay the money that Corey Davis is going to want to keep him around. So he should have a good, productive season, um, barring any kind of outstanding leap, but I just don't think he has the talent of a fifth overall pick. That doesn't mean that he can't be a starting-level player in the NFL, though. Unlike Corey Davis, things have gone according to plan for a guy like Derrick Henry, who set the world on fire last year, carried the Titans to the playoffs, was the sole reason that that offense or a big part of that offense uh, in every big win. When you look at, at his future, and obviously he signed his franchise tender, do they expect to get a long-term deal done with him before the, the start of the regular season? How is that looking? Well, I think right now that's a complicated question, and the Bengals are going to face a situation like that with uh, Joe Mixon, of course, here shortly. So the the issue run into is just the overwhelming evidence that giving running backs big-time money is a bad idea. I mean, the evidence is just overwhelming. At some point, it just stares you in the face. Now, one thing that I think the Titans are considering, and I do think that they eventually get a long-term deal done with Henry, because in my mind, I go back and forth all the time, speaking of the evidence, and then looking at Derrick Henry as a player, and at some point, you just kind of come down to Derrick Henry's a unicorn. I think it's possible that out of all these running backs that get big-time money and fail, I think that maybe Derrick Henry is is an all-timer. Maybe he's special. Maybe he's going to be different here. Uh, He has a, a work ethic that is different than an Ezekiel Elliott. Uh, He has the physicality that's a little bit different than a Le'Veon Bell. He doesn't have the prior injury history of uh, Todd Gurley. He has uh, more tangible success, not only at the NFL level, but at the college and high school level than a David Johnson. So out of all the guys that got paid recently, Derrick Henry has something that they don't have. So while he lacks in the receiving area, I think that, it's possible that he's just an NFL unicorn and his combination of work ethic, physicality, and, uh, you know, the team that he went to and the scheme that they run, it, it could make him be worth a long-term contract. Now, Christian McCaffrey money at $16 million, uh, uh, APY, I don't think that the Titans are going to pay that, but somewhere 
13 to 14 million. I, I do think that eventually they they get a four year deal done with Derrick Henry and try to front load the contract so that they can walk away later on if he has the the typical running back decline. And you you make a good point because he is 250 pounds and and they don't make running backs that big. I think he probably deals more damage to the guys hitting him than he receives when he does take the amount of a beating that running backs in the NFL take. Let's switch gears, though, talk defense, because I think if I look at this defense, Bengals fans probably know the names Jeffrey Simmons, Harold Landry, Vic Beasley, maybe Adoria Jackson, probably Kenny Vaccaro, maybe Kevin Bayard. Everyone knows Malcolm Butler from his performance in the Super Bowl. You have one of my favorite draft picks in the 2020 draft in the second rounder, Christian Fulton. But what about Daquan Jones and Jack Crawford, Jayon Brown, Adore Jackson? Tell me about some of these guys that Bengals fans might not know as much about. Who are the underheralded guys on this defense? But don't say Jonathan Joseph because Bengals fans do know who he is. <laughs> yeah, uh, at this point, Jonathan Joseph is, I, I'm putting him at uh, number one on the depth chart for assistant coach. Uh, that's that's his role now yeah and with uh bringing back something you brought up earlier the limited all season and what that'll do to rookies having a guy like jonathan joseph in the uh in the locker room and in the cornerback room i think could help somebody like christian fulton who you brought up who i'm really high on and excited to see what he can do now but some of the unheralded guys on the Titans defense are basically everybody. I- I'm pretty impressed with with you rattling off most of their names. Uh, although Kevin Byard is the highest, I still I believe that he's still the highest paid safety in the NFL and has been uh, basically a turnover machine since he came into the NFL. I believe he has the most interceptions of any player since his rookie season, and he didn't even have an interception his rookie year. So uh, really impressive there. Kevin Byard's one of the best safeties in the league, and everyone should know his name. So just file that away. He's one of the best players in the league. But some of the more unheralded guys that should be talked about, the inside linebacker group of Rashawn Evans and Jayon Brown. Rashawn Evans is your classic get downhill, get through gaps, break up runs in the backfield, blitz, physical, make play, sideline to sideline. Jayon Brown is your prototypical undersized pass coverage linebacker, but they're both absolutely excellent in their role. They they do exactly what they were drafted to be, and Jayon Brown is who I really want to point to. He is only six foot. He's out of UCLA, a fifth-round pick in 2017, but like I said, he is one of the absolute best coverage linebackers in the NFL and the Bengals try to get really fast and really athletic at linebacker this all season. So the fan base should understand what, what athletes at the linebacker position can do for you like that. Jayon Brown's incredibly unheralded. And another guy that, that I give a lot of love to on social media at Tic Tac Titans, where I do my film breakdowns for the team. Uh, Daquan Jones started out as a, a prototypical five technique coming out of Penn state in the Titans three, four trans, Transitioned after uh, a pectoral injury and a bicep injury transitioned to a nose tackle more permanently. And people want to talk about Jeffrey Simmons taking a leap. And that's why the Titans traded Jarrell Casey. The reality is, is Daquan Jones has been excellent as an interior rusher and a run stuffing nose tackle for quite some time, at least the last two seasons. And him 
kind of being a steady performer allowed the Titans to go away from Casey at a $13 million salary. So Daquan Jones, who's also as a big man, he is a big guy, has also dropped back into coverage a little bit in the Titans' disguised blitzes. So uh, Daquan Jones and Jayon Brown. And then finally, I will say Adoree Jackson. The Titans picked up his fifth-year option for 2021 uh, to pay him $10.2 million that season. Adoree Jackson came in as more of an athlete than a cornerback, but has developed his skills and give a lot of credit to Ohio State defensive coordinator Kerry Coombs, who was the Titans defensive back coach the last two seasons. Uh, really got Adoree better at his technique and uh, expect him to be the number one cornerback on the Titans for many years to come. He's an athlete who's improving his technique and he's become one of the better matchup corners in the NFL. And with all the speed in the NFL nowadays at the wide receiver position, he is a, uh, a key cog to their transition from a disguised blitz defense to a press man blitz defense. And I think that what we've seen from the coaching staff, there's a theme uh, all over this team of, of overachievers or, guys developing and and that's certainly a credit to Mike Vrabel and his staff. I do want to take a moment because Kerry Coombs is a name that is very well known in Cincinnati. He coached Colerain High School, which was actually mm-hmm. a rival of my high school in the area. I went to Princeton High School, our listeners all know, and yep. I got to watch Colerain break my heart more times than I care to remember <laughs> with Kerry hey, Ohio Coombs high as a coach. Football is nothing to mess with. Ohio high school football is some studs coming out of Ohio. Yeah, there's some pretty good players coming out of Ohio. When, when you look at the amount coming out of Texas, Ohio is, is certainly in the conversation for top five football. Top states. five. Yeah. yeah. No one's claiming number one for Ohio, but no. I, I think uh, with Texas, California and, and Florida, there, there is no competition there, but top five, I think makes sense. Which is pretty great for a random state in the middle of the country. Anyway, Seems like that's always happening. The presidents, the astronauts, uh, the world leaders. Uh, Ohio produces greatness. There you go. Some shout-outs for Ohio from our counterpart from the Locked on Titans podcast. Kevin, it has been a pleasure. We'll talk to you again before week eight. Yeah, absolutely. It has been a pleasure to talk to you guys. And of course, I know that we will only get one of of James and Jake when the regular season actually comes. But it has been a pleasure talking to both of you and look forward to our next conversation in week eight. Is your team eliminated from the playoffs and in need of reinforcements? Maybe it's time for a rebuild or maybe they're just a player or two away from taking home the Lombardi trophy. Either way, join Keith Sanchez and Damian Parson for Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast. They'll tell you which college football stars your team will be taking in the 2024 NFL Draft. Check out Mock Draft Monday on the Locked On NFL Draft Podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. If you're looking for the most comprehensive NFL Draft coverage this offseason, look no further than the Locked On NFL Scouting Podcast. Join the draft dudes, Kyle Krabs and Joe Marino, as they go position by position through the NFL free agent class and into the star-studded crop of college stars who will be selected in the 2024 NFL Draft. If you want to know who your favorite NFL team should be adding to its roster, you need to check out Locked On NFL Scouting. Available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.